Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Over the Couch podcast. Maggie here. Today, I had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Al Dannenberg. He has quite a story, as you'll hear. I am traveling, and I unfortunately did not bring my equipment with me, so there is a little bit of an echo on my end, but Dr. Al's uh, words are very clear, so I think you'll definitely enjoy this episode. Here's Dr. Al. Thank God. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? I'm very good. I'm on vacation, so no complaints. Where are you now? I'm at my sister's house on Maui. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Nice. And I normally I would be in New England, so I live in New Hampshire. Maui sounds quite beautiful. It is. Yeah, there's. Uh, birds, you know, making lovely noises in the background. And where do you live? Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, that sounds nice too. It is nice. Not, We're right on the you coast. know, not tropical. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it is nice. Lovely. It is nice. And more, a little warmer than New England. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we have eighty-two degrees today. Oh and my gosh, today. that's very warm. For February, oh, okay. that's quite warm. Yeah. It's above normal. Okay. Okay. Well, right. do you, you've had, uh, you've certainly had more ups and downs than just about anybody I've known, I think. I have been on a roller coaster ride. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. You want to, I know you've told your story a lot, but would you mind uh, I love telling to tell it today? Story. Absolutely. I can tell you as much as you would like to hear. I do have a hard stop. I have a consult at three o'clock. So I'd have to be off by five of three. That's that's fine. Yeah, I don't like to do that. I'm not a long form podcaster. Personally, I like to be short and sweet, but I know you have had, uh, you know, so many things happen that, uh, you know, I don't want to cut you short, but that's totally fine. Yeah. Good. We can talk about anything you'd like to talk about. If I don't know the answer, I will tell you I have no idea. That's usually I'll be, I'll good policy. That's <laughs> good. Great. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to fool you and tell you something I don't know. All right. Yeah, well, why don't you start with your story for the people that aren't aware well, of it? Sure. I mean, first of all. I will be 76 years old in a couple months. So I'm an old guy and practicing periodontics for 44 years. And during my, I would say the last six years of my dental practice, I was incorporating a lot of nutrition into periodontal therapy. So I did very conventional, but out of the box cutting edge periodontal therapy with specific types of lasers that were really quite quite effective and efficient. But mm-hmm. I did lecture a lot about nutrition and how it affects the rest of the body. And so I was doing a seminar for Paleo FX in April, 2000, 
18 in Austin, Texas. So I'm traveling from Charleston to Austin. Um, you know, there's no direct flight from Charleston anywhere almost. So I had to go through Atlanta. And it's a big walk from one concourse to another. But I like that. But I carried my bag. I only carry one bag. I carried my bag on my right shoulder. And my shoulder was starting to get sore, which is kind of unusual for me. I went through the course, did my seminar, went back home, and the soreness in my right shoulder never went away. This is April 2018. So I'm getting home, and the soreness starts to go back into my scapula area, and then seems to travel into my chest area to the point where if I were to take a deep breath, it actually hurt. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of pigheaded. I realized by September 2018, you know, all these months have passed, I'm suggesting to myself, maybe you need to see your doc. So my doctor that I see, I've been seeing for 30 plus years at that point. So I went to see him and he did a bunch of tests and all the blood tests generally looked good. Nothing really abnormal. He did a, a, CR, a CRP, a C-reactive protein, looking for systemic inflammation. And that was significantly elevated. And I never had a CRP that was elevated. So he said, let's do an MRI and kind of figure out where something is going on in your body. So we do an MRI and um, uh, he gets the results and he asks me at first, he's kind of joking and he says, um, did you fall down some steps or did somebody beat you up? And I said, no, what are you talking about? I just thought I tore a ligament in my shoulder and it's really starting to hurt. And he said, well, what I am seeing is concerning. And I think you have either multiple myeloma, lymphoma, or leukemia. Wow. Yeah. These are Boy. three cancers. At this point in my life, I felt great. I even thought I was a senior poster boy for a healthy lifestyle. And that's what I right. was really lecturing on. And there was nothing going on in my body that I could tell other than the soreness. Well, it turns out the soreness was cracked ribs that was pressing into my lung area. That's why I was having difficulty breathing. And he said, let's go ahead and uh, refer you to an oncologist who I didn't know at that time. He did a whole bunch of tests and brought me and my wife, and my two adult children into his office for the first time for me to meet him personally and also to go over my diagnosis. And he gives me this diagnosis of um, uh, uh, multiple myeloma. Um, more significant name for this multiple myeloma with severe osteolytic lesions throughout my skeletal system. And then he tells me that he's giving me three to six months to live. And he needs me to get started with chemo the next day. I don't understand why I'm going to start chemo if I have three to six months to live. And I'm asking him questions like, well, if I only have three to six months to live, you know, th this is not really a comfortable conversation, but it had to be had. Why would I even do chemo? My immune system must be so destroyed. Why would I destroy it even more? And he said, in all honesty, the chemo probably would decrease the severity of the multiple myeloma's progression 
and I would go into remission and I would have more than three to six months to live. I said, well, you said there's no cure for this disease. And he said, no, because what's going to happen is the chemo is not going to work after a while. And then we're going to have to put you on a more caustic chemotherapy drug. I wasn't a good candidate for stem cells. And eventually none of these drugs were going to work. And eventually I would die from complications of multiple myeloma. I am devastated. My whole life is turned upside down. But what I did know was I did not want to decrease the quality of my life. And what I definitely needed to do was to figure out what I could do to support my immune system as best as possible to allow my body to heal whatever way it could. And I created a bunch of what I call unconventional cancer protocols, which I've tweaked significantly from day one, which was now September 2018, all the way to today. And I'm still alive. You can tell I'm still talking. I see right? that. <laughs> so, so my oncologist is kind of shocked. I have had many, many um, ups and downs. And so it's not been a straight road at all. As a matter of fact, in 2019, I had some severe fractures um, that put me in hospice to die. Although I recovered and got home and eventually uh, I am where I am. My biggest problem is the potential for pathogenic fractures in my bone structure because the multiple myeloma literally eats into the internal surface of the bone because of the bone marrow and my bones are very fragile. So I can literally twist incorrectly and break a bone. Um, I've had numerous, numerous bone fractures. But here's, well, here's where I am today. So the, the concept that I have promoted in my unconventional cancer protocols up to today's most recent tweaks is a method to support anyone's, not just me, but anyone's immune system. I have no cure for a cancer. But if you can support your immune system to be as robust as possible, you have the best chance to fight the fight that your body was designed to fight. And that is any external uh, antigens coming into your body, you can fight any internal problems like cancer, your body can fight. Everybody has cancer cells 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but our body knows how to deal with it. It eats them up, it gobbles them up, it destroys the cancer cells or the cancer cells destroy themselves individually. But if the system, the immune system is weakened, this mechanism doesn't work. And those cancer cells can go on to proliferate and eventually become malignant and spread. Yeah. And that's my story. Yeah, well, well, I'm glad you're here. You look pretty good. Well, thank you. <laughs> so you're welcome. So, and you have had some recent changes because I know we were going to talk a few months ago and then your wife had some challenges and so that put everything on hold, but she's doing well now or? My wife is doing amazingly well. She was in the hospital okay. for almost six weeks, three of which were in ICU. So she had some serious problems that have been resolved and her medical team did wonders and she is as strong as ever. 
as sassy as ever. So everything is cool. So okay. she's doing quite Excellent. well. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, you uh, you have to, in some ways, take your health into your own hands. But when it's nice to have the medical system there when you need them. You well, know. you know, there is no one that is going to be your advocate except you. Now, I do think yeah. a person that has serious conditions like I have needs some support of some type. My wife is my support. Some people have friends. Some people have other groups, religious groups, social groups. It's very hard to do this solely on your own. You need that support, no matter how resistant you are mentally and, and what attitude that's positive that, that you can exude. You will have, anybody will have states of depression. I do. Yeah. And so when that happens, someone needs to be there to help pull you up by your bootstraps so that you can get back into a better frame of mind and and continue with the job you need to do. We're all going to die. That's the end story, obviously. I just want to make sure that the quality of my life, no matter how many days, months, years, decades I still have, is as high a quality as I can create for myself. And I don't want to be destroyed by chemicals that theoretically are going to help me, but in reality may create more side effects that are more damaging than the disease itself. So I have to be very cognizant of that. And I am. Right. And I know that some people really have a lot of negative side effects with chemotherapy. And if you're if you really think you only have a few months left to live, you want to spend it being, you know, nauseous and um, not, not feeling no, I mean, well. I'm not, I'm, I'm not denying. I'm not denying the importance of allopathic medicine. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to make their own decision. <clears throat> right. You have to weigh the pros and cons, the risk and reward, and then see what works for you as you want your life to be. And I think that is critical. And you need support to allow that to happen. Support being a wife, a husband, family member, friends, whatever, religious, social group, whatever that can help you direct yourself in that in that course of or your path um, for healing. That's important, I think. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so what have you found? What, what are some of your protocols for um, keeping a strong immune system? Well, the, the most important thing is, in my opinion, is for what, what I did was, first of all, I wanted to look back in time, not 20 years, 100 years. I wanted to see how our human species has evolved to be the dominant animal on the planet. And for the most part, it has to do with an eating way of life and lifestyle. Well, obviously, we're not going to become our primal ancestors. They had a very hard and pretty terrible life. But they did certain things that made their bodies very strong and healthy. And one of the things was the way they ate. Humans are basically omnivores, meaning that they eat everything but they lean towards an animal-based diet. They eat mainly animals 
and organs and blood and cartilage and bone marrow and muscle meat. This is what we have evolved eating. In addition, we eat some root vegetables and a few other things, but we are not eating a vegan diet through our ancestral um, evolutionary years. We know that from a variety of studies. Several papers published a year or two ago show clearly that we lean towards an animal-based diet. So my protocol is based on an animal-based diet. Some of the ways of eating, I have basically um, researched through a clinic in Budapest, Hungary. They used to be called the Paleolithic, uh, Paleomedicina Clinic. Now they're called, I think, the International Center for Medical Nutritional Intervention. They okay. treat nothing but severe chronic diseases and cancers, many of which are actually considered in the United States, at least incurable. And they use a very strict paleolithic ketogenic diet. That's what they call it. The very strict animal-based diet, no plants whatsoever, no supplements whatsoever, no prescription drugs whatsoever. And they get quite interesting results that they publish as case reports in various journals and translated into English. And I've incorporated much of this thinking in my way of eating, basically. Um, it's a high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet. And the meats are basically ruminant animals, which are in the United States, basically beef and lamb. So that's, that's your main diet now is beef and, beef and lamb? Beef and lamb as the meats, and of course all their mm -hmm. organs and everything. And then yeah. I will certainly incorporate other things that are critical, like water that is from natural springs that are replete with trace minerals and a variety of other things that support this way of eating. In addition, I am very aware that the gut microbiome is a critical element to overall chronic disease. Our bodies are made up of about 30 trillion human cells, but we have 38 trillion microbes. Most wow. of them reside in our guts and they are very critical. And that garden of bacteria is very diversified. But if that garden of bacteria is damaged and becomes unhealthy with potentially pathogenic bacteria that overgrow to become pathogenic, then our gut suffers, the immune system starts to become um, dysfunctional, and the layer of tissue, which is only one cell layer thick that separates the gut from the rest of the body, starts to break down and leaks into the bloodstream called a leaky gut. All of this toxic material that never should get out of the gut other than when you go to the bathroom, then that material gets into the bloodstream, affects every organ system. And for the most part, I would say, I would say all, but maybe the certainly the far majority of chronic diseases in our society today are related to dysbiosis in the gut. Poor diet, dysbiosis in the gut creates these problems. And 
it's not just organs that you're aware of, like the heart and the brain and the kidneys, but the mouth. When we have dysbiosis in the gut, it affects the mouth's unique garden of bacteria, causing a change that will unfortunately be fed by bad foods like sugars and can create and will create periodontal disease and tooth decay. But the gut generally is the, all, is the source of all this um, travesty as it progresses through the body. Those are the two We're outnumbered. What's that? These are the two major elements of my protocols. Okay. Other things are critical. You have to control emotional stress. You have to exercise yeah. efficiently. You have to sleep restoratively. You have to have a very healthy dental condition. So if you have restorations in your mouth, they have to be fitted properly. Um, a lot of different things go into a healthy body, but the diet and the gut microbiome are two critical elements along with the other things. Okay, so what are your strategies for improving the microbiome then? Well, so you have, let's say, dysbiosis in the gut. How do you get it back to normal? First of all, you need to realize that your gut microbiome is as unique to you as your fingerprint. So there is no specific numbers of species of bacteria that are right for you and everybody else. They may be right for you, but not for the next guy. What needs to be done is to clean up some of the, the, the toxic elements that are leaking into the, into the bloodstream and replenish your gut microbiome and heal that epithelial barrier. Generally to do that, there are certain um, methods to bind to toxic elements called LPS or lipopolysaccharides, which are basically the remnants of the cell wall of gram-negative bacteria. These are extremely toxic elements if they get into your bloodstream. So you can have those bound to other chemicals like immunoglobulins so that it will get out of your system when you defecate so that it doesn't get into the bloodstream. And then there are other methods to repair this epithelial barrier that is breaking down so it stays intact. And once you have this intact gut, if you're eating well and you're not putting other toxic elements into your body and doing things like efficient exercise, restorative sleep, controlling emotional stress and, and the like, then you will have everything going for you to support a robust immune system. There is no pill that you can take anywhere that makes your, your immune system healthy. I mean, there are a lot of companies that claim that, but it just doesn't work that way. And there is no pill that you can take that solves your problem. You need to have bioavailable nutrients that are able to be absorbed into your body through a healthy gut lining. And when all of that is in place, you have all the methods to create overall wellness and healing, no matter what you've got. Nice. So are, are there certain plant foods that you eat or? No, um, no. Oh, no. none, okay. Plant, no. <laughs> oh, I think you no, said that. Plant foods are really the no-no. So okay. I am not eating nuts. 
There are lots of reasons. No nuts, no seeds, no legumes. Basically, some of the plants that I would be eating are a variety of fruits. I yeah. definitely eat raw honey. There are some okay. other vegetables that are low in oxalates and lectins and phytates, which are considered in a grouping called anti-nutrients that you might want to consider. But in an ideal world, you're basically eating at least 70% or more animal-based foods. That's including nose to tail, meaning that you're eating the animal fat, the organs, the marrow, the, the cartilage, and, and drinking water that is replete with trace minerals, not filtered water that's that has no minerals in it. It has you need the electrolytes from trace minerals. And that would be considered the 70% or more of your plate of food. And maybe less than 30% could include some honey and some fruits and very, very, very select vegetables if if you were to go that route. Okay. Every nutrient your body needs now, can be you? obtained from the foods that I just mentioned and being in the sun to help your body create vitamin D3. Nice. So you don't take supplements then? I don't like the word supplements. The only thing that I take as in the world of supplements is vitamin D3. And, and that's because I, with what wow. I have, my multiple myeloma, I'm not really in the sun much and I don't have that yeah. exposure. So I knew... I measure my blood level of vitamin D3 called a 25-hydroxy vitamin D3 blood test. And mm -hmm. I want to be, because of my cancer, I want to be in the 60 to 80 nanograms per milliliter range, which I am. And I do vitamin D3 as well as vitamin K2 to make vitamin D3 work properly. I do that on a regular basis to maintain that blood level. I don't take supplements but I do eat desiccated organs. I don't consider them supplements. Desiccated organs are just organs that are raw, that have their water removed, but none of the nutrients are, are changed or damaged. It's in a, now a powder form and I can eat it through capsules or I can spread the powder in my ground beef or on scrambled eggs or whatever. I could even put it in a blender and blend it with bone broth if I want. So oh, I wow. can make those things palatable on a daily basis. Okay. So That's if you don't personally things. like the taste of liver, you can, you can go with, yeah, I mean, that's the advantage where you don't have to be hunter gatherers. We can just go to our grocery store or health food store, whatever farmer's market, whatever. Yeah. We don't have to at least, uh, you know, get up early and get a spear and <laughs> we'll see what we can find. No, I'm not into that way of life. Some people are. <laughs> there are primal societies that live today that do that. And interestingly, some of them actually have no gum disease or, or minimal gum disease, minimal tooth decay, hardly ever have chronic disease. They live to ripe old ages of 70 or 80 years old, and um, they have no, no damage to their body from a poor gut or poor eating habits because they're doing what their bodies were designed to do. Nice. Yeah, that's one, that's one thing that led me to 
take the uh, primal health coaching curriculum as well because um, I've read a book called The Jungle Effect. I don't know if you've read that, but that really made me realize that um, it's really what we do here, our environment, our processed food and everything, but people that do live in a primitive society just don't have the diseases that we have, you know, the diabetes and well, that's exactly uh, heart right. disease either. Yeah. And if you look at animals in the wild, a perfect example are cats and wolves in the wild compared to domesticated cats and dogs. So cats, wild cats and wolves in the, in the wild rarely have tooth decay, gum disease, chronic diseases. They may, but rare. If you look at our pet population, domesticated cats and dogs, they have all kinds of gut issues. They have all kinds of skin issues. They have lots of disease. As a matter of fact, if you look at most pet foods, even the ones that say they're very healthy, look at the first three or four ingredients, there's a bunch of junk. You know, cats are obligate carnivores. They must eat meat. That's all they need. They don't need um, the grains and, and the vegetables that are the first three or four ingredients in their cat food, plus all the chemicals that make it solid or hard, uh, kibbles and things like that. We are feeding our animals an unhealthy diet that makes them metabolically dysfunctional, just like the American society is metabolically dysfunctional. There is a study that was published two or three years ago that showed that the US population is 88% or has 88% of the people being metabolically unhealthy. 88%, that is huge. Yeah, That is huge. In other words, there's only 12% maybe that are potentially healthy and that number is decreasing. So we are a sick society and it's not because of our genetic makeup. It's because of the foods we eat the toxic elements in the food and in our environment. And some of our lifestyle choices are not conducive to healthy metabolic function. Yeah, true. So do you have, I know you're in your, you know, mid to late 70s, but you're still, are you still doing coaching at this point? Oh yeah, actually I do coaching all over the world. Um, I do... Uh one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a 12-week coaching program where I work with individuals because they have questions about their dental health. They have questions about their gut health and other overall wellness and chronic disease issues. So I certainly, um, I'm very active in that capacity. I do not see patients in an office environment anymore. Although I practiced for 44 years when I was diagnosed in 2018, I pretty much had to stop the practice because yeah. I have physical disabilities. I can't function the way I used to function. And again, that's mainly due to the potential for me having pathological bone fractures. Right, right now, I'm dealing with two rib fractures as we speak. No, uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'm used to it. I mean, I, yeah. I have had lots of fractures, but... You know, I have to be very careful about that. Right. Um, so other than the diet, which probably 
takes care of most of it. What do, what do you advise people to do to take care of their teeth? Your mouth is such a critical part of your body. You must make sure the diet and the gut are healthy. So let's assume you have a healthy gut and a healthy diet. What do you do for maintaining a healthy mouth? You need to remove unhealthy dental plaque. Now I wanna remind you and everybody that dental plaque is healthy until it's not. So the concept of removing dental plaque all the time and preventing dental plaque from regrowing is not biologically healthy. Dental plaque, sir, is a natural biofilm that serves at least three important functions. It is a gatekeeper, for the most part, to minerals in your saliva that allows minerals from the saliva to get through the dental plaque into the root surface of the tooth if it, if it needs remineralization. Also, dental plaque has maybe two, 300 or more bacteria, garden of bacteria that make different degrees of hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is very toxic to potentially pathogenic bacteria. So if there are potentially pathogenic bacteria in their mouth and in your saliva, the dental plaque literally kills that bacteria as it tries to enter where the gum meets the tooth. The third thing that dental plaque does is has chemical buffers so that it maintains the acid level to an acid level of 5.5 or more basic. In other words, it prevents severe acidity creating what would cause tooth decay. So dental plaque actually prevents tooth decay and helps remineralize the teeth. But if you're not eating healthy and or you have an unhealthy gut and the microbiome in your mouth starts to change, which it will, bad food will feed the potentially pathogenic bacteria making dental plaque overgrow with unhealthy bacterial species, creating a problem. So you have to know how to clean your mouth so that you remove all this unhealthy dental plaque if it's there but not scrub it in such a way that it removes it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you want to brush your teeth gently in, in correct manner um, with maybe just a little bit of salt water. You could use a toothpaste, but it must have um, no chemicals that are damaging. One toothpaste, a company that I actually work with, is called Revitin, R-E-V-I-T-I-N. There's no caustic elements in this toothpaste at all. It doesn't kill bacteria whatsoever. If anything, it helps balance the bacteria. So it's not critical to use nice. toothpaste. But if you want to use toothpaste, Revitin is a great toothpaste. You have to brush the gum surface between the cheek, uh, in, in the cheek area, as well as the tongue area. You have to clean between the teeth using a little dental floss between the contacts and a little brush that's called an interdental brush. It almost looks like a toothpick, but it's soft silicone bristles that cleans the plaque, health, unhealthy plaque off where the gum meets the tooth. And you need to brush your tongue where some of the excess bad bacteria can overgrow. If you're doing that once a day in the morning, once a day when you go to sleep, 
you are in great shape and your mouth will be healthy. No mouthwashes are necessary. Certainly no um, antibacterial toothpastes. You don't want to do anything that's going to kill the bacteria. You want to just make the bacteria balanced and equalized the way your mouth should be. Well, thank you for laying that out for us. I think, um, you know, those of us that are already involved with like, you know, primal blueprint and all that, or, you know, at least making efforts in this area where most people are still using Crest or Colgate and then following it up with some Listerine. <laughs> so I you have a lot that. of them. Uh... These are all <laughs> killing the bacteria. And then you yeah. use, unfortunately, you use chemicals like xylitol that will kill a bacteria, specifically strep mutans, but also prevents the surface bacteria, bacteria doesn't allow the plaque to form naturally. So if you're using all of this, you're stripping oh. away this natural biofilm all the time, and you're making the area that you think you're cleaning more susceptible to other breakdown. Not a very good thing to do. Your body doesn't want you to do that. You are evolving to have a natural biofilm around the tooth. Leave it there. Okay, yeah, because xylitol was, um, they make mints and stuff that was kind of advertised to be good for your teeth, but you're saying- Well, it'll kill the, a lot of bacteria that are causing tooth decay, but it damages everything else. So, you know, okay. if you had a house and you had some ants that were crawling on the floor, um, you could burn the house down and get rid of the house. <laughs> you get rid of the ants. But, but it might be overkill. No there are other ways <laughs> to get rid of the ants. And so if you have unhealthy bacteria, there are ways, like I just explained, to get rid of that without destroying the entire microbiome of your mouth, which affects the rest of your, the microbiome in your body. So you, you really need to understand there is a purpose to this garden of bacteria throughout your body. Just like your hands, for example, when we were in this pandemic, everybody that thought you needed to sterilize your hands right. was telling us to use um, alcohol on our hands 20, 30 times a day. You would strip right. the oils and all the natural bacteria away. Many people would get blisters and cracks on their skin because you destroy the natural biofilm of, the, of your skin. You don't want to do that. You want to get bacteria off your skin wash it with water. And that's all you need to do. You don't have to kill the microbiome to do it. Yeah, we were doing a, a crazy amount of hand washing and most people are still using hand sanitizers pretty regularly. Yeah, so. and many of them have red raw skin because of it. Right. Got to be careful about that. Yeah. Gotta have some kind of balance between right, not you know, not spreading things, but not uh, affecting your system. That makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what do you have? Um, what are your next projects? Anything you said you're you're well, posting? Uh, I know you uh, have an active. Remember blog. last year, I wrote a book called "Eat as if Your Life Depends on It." It's a book that's available on Amazon. I think pretty good book. Of course, I wrote it. So I think it is good. <laughs> and I do these consults. Um, I don't sell any products whatsoever. 
-hmm. I have nothing to sell on my website. I have a lot of information that anyone can download. Um, quite a number of articles, over 500 blogs, I guess I've written by this point in time. But um, I do offer my time for individual one-on-one -on -one consultations. Great, that's great. It uh, sounds like you're keeping busy. And, I am. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I am, and it's fun. That's great. And of course, I have to keep my body up to speed too, right? So I have these issues that come and go that I have to always be aware of and concentrate on. But I do as best as I can. And like my, my original statement is my goal is not longevity. It's a quality of life. And mm -hmm. I want to maintain the best quality by maintaining as robust an immune system as I possibly can. Yeah. And that would be, and, if there's a secret to it, that would be my secret. Right. And when you don't have any fractures, <clears throat> excuse me, do you try to exercise? Do you have any um, yeah. like really low impact kind of stuff that you do? Yeah, actually, yeah, I, do, I work with a physical therapist. So they work with mm -hmm. me. Um, to help my, my body. I've had COVID actually three times oh already. Gosh. So I'm dealing oh with my goodness. a little long haulers COVID right now. So I'm yeah, working wow. my body back up to a normal state. So it takes a lot of time. Um, I used to walk a mile a day. I can't do that any longer. I, I will hopefully get back to walking. I use what's called a rollator when I walk so that if I were to have um, a balance... <laughs> I wouldn't fall. I would have this roller yeah. to support myself. But I do um, physical therapy three times a week, which helps my body. And of course, all the other things that I've mentioned, I try to do on a very regular active basis, very proactively, I think. Oh, wonderful. Well, wonderful. Well, I'm really glad to hear that your wife got better too. I know that uh, you're all concerned and and uh, she is doing amazingly well so the, the two of us are back and um she's using her whip to keep me in place so that's everything uh good about her her little tough love works really well with me yes. <laughs> that's great all right well why don't you give us one more time where people can find you Sure. So my website is drdannenberg.com. It's spelled D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. And um, there's many, many articles, like I said, blogs and, and, and PDFs and things that you can look and search for and download. If you're looking for a specific subject, you can go to one of the search engines, you know, a little column type in a keyword or two and anything I've written on that subject will pop up. And again, it's available to you to read or download. Excellent. Dr. Al didn't mention during his story that in uh, his early years as a dentist, he was exposed to both radiation and mercury. So 
Um, there are habits we can have that reduce our cancer risk, but it's we're still going to have some risk no matter what. As he mentions, he has a blog that gives information in both about dental health tips and uh, eating habits and health tips in general and cancer protocols. So I hope you'll take the opportunity to look him up and um, investigate more of his information. Thanks again for listening to the Off of the Couch podcast. Have a great day. See you soon.